sack. He loves to fit, he loves to stack. Yes, construction is his knack. He sacks like old maniac. He builds in the window, he's off the wall. He builds them big, he builds them small. In Lego land, he'll rock and roll. He's Lego wild, out of control. Sack, sack. Legoland King's Castle Airport Cosmic Fleet Voyager sold separately from Lego Systems. Ladies and gentlemen, this is episode 126 of G.I. Joburg, and tonight we are talking bricks. <laughs> My name is Stephen, I'm joined by Paul, and our special guest for this evening's podcast, a gentleman by the name of Magnus, and he has managed to marry G.I. Joe and Lego in the most awesome way I've ever seen. And I have been watching the developments in the G.I. Joe and Lego world for quite some time now. Uh, this man is where it's at. Magnus, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. This is great. Now, Magnus uh, found us, I think it must have been Facebook, perhaps, which is interesting because Facebook. he doesn't like <laughs> technology all that much. Uh, I see that he's still rocking a, an old-school telephone. Yes. But he found us and joined our Facebook group and started unveiling one by one these incredible images of reimagined G.I. Joe vehicles brought to life brick by brick in Lego. Flash forward to our epic JoeCon adventure. We happened to pass through Washington, D.C. on our way back uh, northeast to head to JFK to eventually leave the United States. Magnus hooked up with us and <laughs> brought with him a backpack full of contraband, full of illicit substances, <laughs> full of awesome Lego G.I. Joe creations. We just started talking about it and, and that leads us to this podcast. I mean, we had to have this man on the show. He's doing some incredible stuff. And if you need a visual cue, if you do have a laptop, desktop, anything open at the moment, check out his Flickr account. It's Magnus L, correct? Uh, yeah, Magnus-L. Magnus-L. Don't just sit there passively listening to us. I urge you at this point, if you want to see something that will blow your mind, <laughs> see what this man has done by marrying G.I. Joe and Lego. I'll give you an opportunity to do that. Let me swing the mic over to my other host. Paul, what's new with you, brother? Oh, dude. Uh, okay, well, I'm also just sort of reeling from the shock of seeing all of Magnus's awesome creations. But uh, I got to see them live, which is cool. But anyway, I recently well, got to watch the... only a small sampling. I mean... Only a small sampling, but I must say, I definitely got some of the quality. Yes. You know, it's all quality, but I, I got to see some personal favorites uh, rendered in Lego, which which is just even better. It is, uh, it is just, it's, it's cool when you see something like uh, G.I. Joe-esque in Lego format. It's even cooler when it's something that you are a fan of. Um, but yeah, I recently watched... Sorry, just switching gears quick. I recently watched the new Jurassic World movie. Uh, that's Fallen Kingdom. Uh, I don't want to spoil too much. Uh, but I did manage to pick up one of the raptors from the TV show. I have mentioned this in an earlier episode. But it just makes this toy like a hundred times cooler. Now, I don't want to get into a full breakdown of the film, but it's, it's always cool when you pick up a toy blind from a property and then you uh, only to watch the property later, the film or the cartoon or the video game or whatever, later and find out that you've managed to pick up, pick up the Boba Fett of the whole thing. 
And yeah, so I got to say, my blue Raptor is the shiz. I love it. It's such a cool toy. I haven't opened them yet because I kind of want to do something special for the opening on our YouTube channel. And that's all I'll say about that for now. But yeah, that was pretty cool. So I felt quite happy that I'd found a really awesome Jurassic World figure in the form of blue. And if you guys haven't picked one up yet, as far as I'm concerned, it's Joe Scale. Because the rest of the line is also sort of semi-Joe Scale. I haven't picked up any of the characters yet. I actually went back to my local uh, supermarket that I thought would have some. And that actually sold uh, all sold out. I was hoping to get, uh, pick up an Owen uh figure but hey you know win some lose some get a raptor feel happy about it yay hopefully they find their ways into the warehouse toy shops that seem to be quite uh prevalent in cape town and my good man steve will hopefully be on the case of tracking down jurassic park toys for paul yay hey steve hey, hey. i know we're <laughs> get a bag of like farm animal style like single cast oh! <laughs> dinosaurs my you nephew like loves a, those all oh, right like one of those orgy bags like where oh. like one dinosaur's hits and another one's ass that kind of thing <laughs> oh no that's too good yeah no exactly that um i mean do you want cows do you want triceratopses you can have them all kind of 69ing one another <laughs> but <laughs> buddy I mean, honestly, what is the appeal of a moderately articulated raptor? How um, articulated is this thing? Um, it's a uh, little forearms five, can move. Uh, five POA, uh, maybe. Yeah, it's five POA. Its legs can move, its forearms can move, and its jaw can move. It's a Lego man. It, there we go. And I mean, I've got one of those. No, PTE Lego man actually can articulate the wrist. Sorry, Magnus, yes, I, did, I did not mean to piss on your parade. Those guys are articulated. Um, they're articulate. <laughs> uh, uh, no, my thing is, is um, I have experienced the PTE horse and the PTE camel, which are great toys in their own right. You've experienced the horse and a camel. Uh, I've experienced the horse and the camel. Um, we've had great adventures. Anyway, um, but what's really cool about those toys is like, yeah, you can throw a Joe on it and you can like, you know, ride into the distance. You can, you know, you can kind of reenact some Metal Gear stuff. You can react, uh, reenact some Metal Slug stuff, maybe like tie some, you know, guns on the camel and go boss or go mad rather. Um, and with the core stuff, they got a really great Raptor. But the problem with the Raptor and the core is that it's not very well balanced. So if you put anybody on it, it just sort of flops over, which is mm. kind of annoying. Um, the Jurassic Park ones, the articulation does help to sort of maintain its balance. You know, sometimes shifting a foot a little bit forward, a little bit back helps oh, to yeah. keep it there. And, and I think too much articulation hurts a, a toy like the Velociraptor. I, I think um, Dino Riders kind of had the formula set already. They kind of, it's just limited movement with that figure. Because, I mean, that's how you, that's the best way to play it. You like stick a Joe on the back of it and then you can ride the Raptor and, you know. Mm -hmm. You don't worry about its feet falling off or you, you know, smashing into something too hard and breaking a claw. Yeah, I, I think, I think that as far as the dinosaur goes, that's, that's magic, you know. Plus, they're really well painted and they got Jurassic Park tattoos on them. <laughs> you know, like the JP symbol. I think it's stamped underneath their foot. All right. And, and they're well painted. They've got a great paint job, you know. It's, 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 and it's a licensed thing. It's cool. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I actually got a Joe yesterday. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, <laughs> a very modest one. Yes, I uh, picked up at a, a local store a Cloudburst action figure. Can anyone conjure up what Cloudburst looks like? Isn't he yellow? Did he come with like a, one of those hang gliders or helicopters or something? He is a glider pilot, absolutely. Glider. Right. Yeah, yeah. He had the um, the blue kind of techno camouflage glider. Yeah. That was his ride. Um, he came with a pink submachine gun, delightful, and a visor. Mm. And yes, he is wearing a lot of yellow, and he has white pants and boots with yellow spats over them. But I will say this much about those guys. The sculpts are fantastic. If you can look past the colors, man, you know, you, you can't bemoan the fact that he's light on accessories too much because his mm. sculpt has everything he needs. I mean, these mm. guys are deploying using gliders. They can't really pack heavily. But on his mm. body sculpt, he has a sculpted pistol, pouches that could accept magazines, two hand grenades, and a combat knife. What more do you need? Mm. The fact that he comes with well, a submachine boy gun. Needs. Exactly. Himself, I mean, he makes a great compliment to Skymate and, uh, and, and, and good counterpoints to Skycreeper and Night Vulture. These four figures are fantastic. Um, it's almost a pity that they're overlooked because they came with the, the big honking gliders, which people either take it or leave it. But, uh, mm. Anyone who's on the fence and doubting it, I urge you to check out G.I. Joburg's video on YouTube because we actually took the gliders out and had some fun with them, and they are very fun. These things, they're point and shoot, man. You can you can really really make them fly incredibly well, uh, especially yeah. you know as an adult. As a child, I was a little bit inept, <laughs> so I never really got much distance on my my glider. But now my throwing arm, she's strong. <laughs> Magnus, what's new in your world, buddy? I mean, you just got back from Brickfest, correct? Yeah, Brick, Brick, uh, j just, uh, yes, again, okay, got back from Brickfest. Yeah, tell us about it. Yeah, yeah. Brickfest, apologies. Not, not to be confused with Brickfest, which is, uh, I, I won't go into the details, but that's, that's a different Lego thing. So if there's anyone in the States who wants to check out a, uh, a Lego event, I, I recommend Brickfest. There's a Brickfest in Northern Virginia in, the first weekend of August, and then there's a couple of other brick fairs in other parts of the U.S. at other times. And the content of the, the convention, is it, uh, it looked to me from the photographs like it was competitive. I mean, people putting on their displays and then uh, just like a customs competition uh, where the judges that would then vote on sort of the, the best in each category. The, the Lego that is displayed is 99% things that people have designed themselves. So, so we, we in, in Lego speak, we would call it a MOC, which stands for My Own Creation or, or Mock, as opposed to a set, which is what you, you, know, you buy in a store and build from the instructions. There are a lot of vendors there selling Lego and selling uh, Lego-related items. But in terms of people bringing uh, Lego to show off, almost all of it is stuff that we've designed ourselves. And, oh, cool. Uh, <laughs> you know, we, we get asked, you know, do you have instructions or can I buy this? And the answer is usually no. But, you know, we like to tell tell kids, you know, you can you can build your own. This is what the heart of the hobby is for, for most of us is, is designing your own stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, there are prizes that are awarded to, to certain things, but it's 
it's less of an official competition and more like uh, everyone shows up with their stuff and then there are certain things that are, are nominated for for prizes and then people vote uh, among the uh, I, I should say awards more than prizes but mm-hmm. people get All right. nominated and then voted for and uh, and then you'll you know you'll have something that was you know the 2018 award for best airplane goes to so and so. Okay. All right. Something that struck me in the pictures, and uh, this is hot on the heels of watching the Lego installment of the toys that made us, where it was always a sort of imperative of Legos that uh, they not design uh, weapons or tanks or um, mm-hmm. aircraft that are you know that have offensive capabilities, like all the things that we absolutely adore as Joe fans. You know that's why right. Legos kind of always steered towards a more non-violent. Okay, they got around it eventually with knights and pirates and all that sort of thing. Pirate, pirates, sort of pirates introducing guns. warfare slowly but surely. But it mm-hmm. seemed like the overwhelming majority of the images I saw come out of Brick Fair were military-related. Uh, there were a lot of Vietnam-inspired settings, um, helicopters, uh, Phantom F4s, that sort of thing. Well, a, were you... Were you mostly looking at my pictures of Brick Fair? Because I mostly took pictures of the military stuff. There are, ah, I uh, see. There, That's there why are, it was kind of I'll, skewed. Okay. okay. Well, well, also, the, 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 the Vietnam-related stuff was a collaborative project between me and, like, a dozen other people. So okay. that was a collaborative thing that uh, I was part of. So I wanted to document each of the builds everyone made there. Ah, oh, they were very impressive, man. My goodness. Mm. Like I say, I mean, I, I really go a little bit bonkers for the... Uh, the jet aircraft realized in brick formats because you managed to achieve a, a smooth line on these studded bricks, which mm-hmm. it's just like, what? The, the amount of engineering and finesse that goes into getting them just right. Man, I'm in your awe. <laughs> I've said this a yeah. number of times in person, but like now it's on record, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Speaking about that... Um, I, okay, I've got two questions quickly, and I may have missed this when you were talking earlier. Does Lego themselves um, appear at this brick fair? Like, do they represent uh, have a, any kind of like actual official representation? Um, so, uh, and by by that, do you get to see any like sort of up and coming Lego products? And the one I'm asking for in particular is the <laughs> Creator Series uh, Voltron Lego uh, <laughs> set that I'm very oh. kind of keen on. Okay, uh, to answer that question, um, yes, for the past 10 years or so, uh, the LEGO company has had an official presence at these kind of events. And okay, that's cool. They send representatives, they send you know people who have been involved in, in building sets and, and, and you know designing things, and some of the, the other higher-ups. And um, there used to be a thing where we would get to sort of have a... Uh, sort of questions and answer session and I think they, they moved away from that in part because they got sick of people always asking, you know, what's coming out next year and why won't you bring back, you know, those things that you stopped producing that we really miss and, and they, they got, you know, maybe that got a little bit old yeah. for them. Um, they, they have a policy where they, they do not discuss uh, upcoming sets that haven't been announced yet. Mm-hmm. But um, they have in the past announced, you know, taking the opportunity to un- unveil certain sets. Just to, to take a personal story from that many, many years ago, there was a, a year when they they unveiled a train locomotive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm not a train builder, but they unveiled this new train locomotive. And at the time, I was um, I was building Castle Lego. 
Mm. And the new train locomotive had this new exciting color that was dark green in it. Oh, yes, and, yeah. I think I know which one you're talking about as well. Yeah. And I, um, I remember looking at it and thinking to myself, you know, I've been wanting to build military stuff for a while, but with this new dark green color, I think I can actually start doing that. Mm. I spent a few years building modern um, fictional military theme um, mm. that included this new dark green color. And then after a few years, I sort of slowed down on that and I built some uh, modular landscape, which is what I still use to display things on. And mm. then uh, I, I forget how long ago it was, maybe f six years ago or so, that I started building G.I. Joe and Cobra stuff. All right, okay. Uh, it all comes back to G.I. Joe and Cobra. So that's sort of part of my, my journey. And how long would you say uh, you've been doing G.I. Joe for the last four or five years? Let me look up to see when I posted uh, my first G.I. Joe thing. And what was it? That was the the venerable His Tank. Oh, brilliant. Which I, I still look at now, and I'm still really happy with how it turned out. Um, mm -hmm. I, I posted the His Tank in 2011, so it's okay. been uh, just over seven years now. To paint the picture, in case uh, listeners don't have the tabs open, this is... A modified hiss. This is taking some inspiration from the classic hiss sort of uh, signifiers and then mm. expanding it into something more utilitarian. I think it looks quite mongrel, actually. It looks quite, quite, quite mean. <laughs> mm. Tell us about your additions to it, man. I've always thought the original hiss tank, you know, it's, it's iconic, but for a long time I didn't particularly like it because I thought that, uh, you know, the, the, the gunner needs more protection and it looks very ineffective, you know, mm -hmm. it has a big high profile and whatever. And so this is an example of a, a thing where I built something, I wanted to modify it to make sort of improvements to it. And, and some of those improvements include giving a, a fully armored turret to the gunner. But I didn't want to change it so much that it didn't look like a histack anymore. Yeah, yeah, uh, to keep those, uh, those identifiers on it, yeah. Yes, and... Um, what I ended up building was something that's sort of in between a regular hiss and a hiss two, in that the, there's a uh, there's a single driver in the front, but he he, ent he enters and exits the vehicle with like a a ramp that sort of uh, lowers down underneath him, like on the hiss two. And oh, there's wow. there's space in the back for uh, like two guys in addition to the gunner. Mm -hmm. And I did it in, in a dark gray color, which is the color I've kept for most of my Cobra land combat vehicles. Mm. Is that just because um, when you do it all up in black, you just feel that it loses a bit of its contrast and, and whatever? Uh, do, you, do, you, do you use the gray to sort of emphasize the form, or is it just uh, that you think it's a more pragmatic color? I think it's a slightly more pragmatic, practical color. I mean, I think... Um, it's not great camouflage, but it's 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 a little better camouflage than, than all black. Um, mm -hmm. It does tend to photograph better. Yeah, that's that, and, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, creates a great unity, I'd say. I mean, effectively, since you've reduced the size of these things to, to interact with with Lego men, you're mm -hmm. creating the same dichotomy as you know, like like army, like plastic army sets. You know, the grey German team and the green American team or what, or whatever nationalities you'd imbue grey and green with. But, yeah, mm -hmm. man, after seeing your landscape set up from Brickfair, I could immediately pick out who was who and what was going on. 
just from sort right. of the, the wide shots. And oh man, Did, didn't you have like the the SEAL team crossing the river? Ah, cool. It was cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a there's a lot of different stuff going on there. There's, so um, many details, man. I I wish I'd seen it uh, in person. I would have poured over every detail uh, <laughs> it was very nicely handled so after the hiss what was next mm-hmm. on the slab and i mean if we if we just back it up even even before yeah. that i think i know the answer to this question but for the sake of the listeners gi joe presumably was a huge influence as a child was this your primary toy uh fascination or was it kind of neck and neck with lego and then as an adult, Lego sort of took the four because you had, you know, more of a con- construction um, toy bent, I suppose. Well, well as a kid, uh, Lego was, was really my primary thing. I see. Closely followed by Transformers. Ah. I got into G.I. Joe, as I knew it at the time, Action Force, in uh, around 1990, okay. when I was 12 years old, which is, interestingly enough, around the age of a lot of people... Uh, playing with, with G.I. Joe. Mm. I got into Action Force, as I knew it. I was living in Norway, and I was I was getting Action Force there and, and sometimes picking up sets and, um, you know, toys in England. We, we were getting sets a year or two after they came out in the States. So the, the stuff I got were things that uh, American, like G.I. Joe fans would think of as like the 88, 89 wave. That was where mm. I was getting G.I. Joe stuff. And as a result, I missed out on a lot of the, the classic earlier toys. I was also reading the G.I. Joe comic translated into Norwegian and I never saw the cartoon. So my perception of G.I. Joe is very much informed by the, the comic and um, when I started building Lego G.I. Joe, it was a, a way to build things that I never had as a kid. You know, I never had a, an original his tank. I never had this stuff from, you know, the early to mid-80s at all. And... Uh, it was a way to to become active as a GI Joe hobbyist without starting to collect GI Joe toys again, <laughs> which I don't have the money or space store space for. Um, I know it does it does eat into space like nothing else. But then again, yeah. you have mm. managed um, in a relatively short space of time to build <laughs> a Lego Rolling Thunder to rival to ri- <laughs> rival its 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 GI Joe counterpart and a terror drone but we're going to get into that don't you worry mm. you've just splintered my mind into like five different questions you said that you uh were a transformers fan have you ever yes. dabbled with transforming lego i was about sets? to ask the same thing i mean have you have you considered doing a freightliner you know optimus prime truck that i mean he has a basic enough transformation but still mm to work it out work out the engineering of that that it would take with with lego bricks that might offer a substantial challenge uh i've never gotten into lego transformers i I remember trying to build one or two when i was a kid um there are people who do that who do that quite well and and uh if you go online and google lego transformers you'll, you'll find them i will say that the one thing that bothered me about transformers as a child and that still bothers me today and and i know i'm being pedantic and a bit of a wet blanket, but it always bothered me that they were in different scales. Uh, well, don't worry, right. Magnus. I mean, you've come to the right place. That's why I choose GI Joe always. I, I think, um, <laughs> you know, I think the aerial bots should be the same size as the Seekers, and that the mini cars should be the same size as the regular cars and the stunter cars. And if I ever were to get into Lego 
Transformers, one of the things that I would do, and it, and it has occurred to me to do things sort of like that, but if I were to ever do that, one of the things I would want to do would be to make the minifig scale, which mm-hmm. creates all kinds of, you know, uh, benefits and challenges. <laughs> That'd be a big truck. <laughs> You'd be working in the masterpiece scale for the vehicles, the yeah. cars and the, the trucks and things. Mm, mm-hmm. And then things like Soundwave and Megatron would all have to either <laughs> get Single different alt modes or <laughs> they just wouldn't exist, right? Sure. So I understand well, that if Transformers had been that way or from the get-go, it would have been a very different toy. I am right with you, buddy. I used to use MicroMaster cars to fight mm. Decepticon jets of the sort of... I suppose you'd oh. call it a deluxe jet, you know, that, that sort of price mm-hmm. range, that scale... You'd have a, a giant Decepticon jet fighting the MicroMaster Autobot cars. Like that was my kind of internal scaling. And then I yeah, think that I had makes a, sense. A tank that mm-hmm. was somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed some the, like uh, Hot Wheels tank. The the G1, <laughs> G2 crossover that Europe got. Were you still in Norway uh, when that was when that was big? Um, I was mostly playing with Transformers when I was um, living in England, which was okay. up until 1989. Right. And after I moved to Norway, I think I think I continued buying. I, no, I definitely continued buying Transformers. But Lego was starting. GI uh, Joe mm. was starting to take over. Ah, very good, very good. But also with the Transformers, I somehow missed out on the first couple of years of those. I think we, the three of us, actually tell a similar story in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. We I'm kind of like missed out on the. Absolutely, mm. absolutely. Well, distribution in Europe and then uh, the trickle that came down to South Africa are. Uh, basically branched out from the same tree you know I, I think our distribution came from the uk and not from the united states oh here's a good just a kind of uh, change of pace kind of question if you were to isolate a G.I. Joe character, a Cobra character, and a favorite mm-hmm. vehicle. What would be your kind of your top picks? My favorite G.I. Joe character is Tunnel Rat. Okay. And um, wow. he's a character I never really had as, as a kid. I mean, I eventually got the Sonic Fighters version, which... I kind still of a got. cool toy. Oh, sorry. You know, the Sonic <laughs> Fighters, the, the, the coloring on him is just weird to me. And um, I, oh, right. okay. I, I really sort of became sort of obsessed with him through the comics. Mm. He he was on all my favorite missions, and he just had that sort of Vietnam era look to him. And uh, I, I I always thought Tunnel Rat was a really cool character, and and I eventually got the the Tunnel Rat action figure as well, the original one, and it's a great action figure. Agreed. Sure. Ditto. I one think of there's my a lot of favorite people. vintage toys. Mm. Yeah. Um. There's a lot of people who kind of wonder why this EOD guy is, you know, carrying around all this gear and has this gigantic backpack and, um. In the comic book, he often walks point. So he's he's wearing lots of different hats. The way I sort of envision him is that he's um you know he's described in his file card I think as as being uh, a, a shorter a shorter guy, and I always imagine him as being the the guy on the team who knows he's a little bit he's not one of these big dudes and he has a lot to prove. So he he volunteers to carry the M60 and he he carries a bigger pack than anyone else just to sort of show that he. He can keep up with everyone else. Or lead everyone else, as the case is. I mean, yeah, if he's taking point, right? he's the tip of the spear. He doesn't strike me as a dark character, but there's a certain ruthless efficiency to him. You know, there's that moment where he goes up into the in the 
in the Cobra Island uh, Civil War, and he goes up through that trapdoor, and he basically just mows down like five Cobra blue shirts from behind, and it's this moment of oh, shit just got real. You know, this is <laughs> uh, this is what you, you you might have to do in a in a war situation, and it's it's realistic. It's not pretty. It's a moment of uncomfortable realism that. Sure. Um, the, the good guys, in quotation marks, the, the good guys have to do this stuff as well. Um, mm. that's, that's just his job. Yeah, it's funny how you sort of get sympathy for the devil there in a weird way, you know. Well, there are passages of Harmon's Joe that lull you into, mm. like, Bongo the Balloon Bear and a fun chase through a carnival. But every once in every while you see these very sharply drawn, you know, bouts of utter violence where... You know, Joes or Cobras are going full auto and people are getting mown down. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. it was in there, in our kid's comic book. Oh, yes. <laughs> Would you agree with Tunnel Rat's characterization in G.I. Joe the movie? Eek. <laughs> G.I. Joe the movie? You mean the... Uh, animated the... film. The animated no, one, never, yeah. I, I, I have never watched the animated movie. <gasps> you have it's not? It's on my to-do list. I've never, I've never, I never saw it. I... I keep meaning to get it, and I, I, I'm, ge- I'm genuinely curious to find out whether I enjoy it or not when I finally see it as an adult who, uh, who didn't grow up on it. Because this is something that was, you know, geared towards kids, right, in the 80s. Have you watched the cartoon series as an adult? Then did you kind of catch that up, or is that also still a blank spot in your your GI Joe understanding? That's also a blank spot. Okay, well. Fucking you. I think you might have a similar you might have a similar realization that Rob had where it's initially this knee jerk of like, oh my goodness, this is so stupid, this is so puerile. It's obviously right. marketed towards kids, you know, Saturday morning cartoon style. But once you start getting into the swing of things and mm. appreciating the elements that are good, that are exceptional in fact, like you know, cell animation at its best voice acting at its best you know the cartoon for me was what gave these incredible characters voice for the first time i was like okay so that's how destro sounds that's how cobra commander sounds that's how barbecue sounds (laughs) and in the same (laughs) vein that's how tunnel rat sounds say Mm. what you will about his characterization in the movie but he's cheeky he's feisty he's got a bit of a chip on his shoulder but he's also kind of he's cool he's laid back he's a professional soldier you know, mm-hmm. he gets Beachhead talking shit at him, and he just, you know, just lets it wash. <laughs> it's not going to ruin his day. So, yeah, there are traits that you can really enjoy in his characterization and in the film itself. But uh, I'm going to follow up on that, Magnus. I certainly hope uh, you manage to track down a copy. I'm sure you can see it on Daily Motion or something. It'll be, right. you know, one of those less than scrupulous uh, <laughs> means by which people watch things online. Uh, it'll be there. Mm. No, no, most definitely, and um, I, and I think maybe maybe just to add uh, to help you enjoy it, maybe you should try and track down Action Force the movie, um, just so that you feel a bit more comfortable with the nostalgia of it. What's that? Is that what? Uh, that's is just that the, what it's called in England. Yes, yeah, it's Action okay. Force the movie. Yeah, yeah, hmm. that's how I first um, saw it. Actually, Never I still have that. the okay. I still have the VHS, so that's pretty cool. It's my understanding that that version is just a, a series of like crude redubs over whenever GI Joe was said. Full ah. force. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Anyways, 
Whatever. Magnus, your favorite cobra? Favorite cobra. Mm. I'm going to go with Baroness for, I, you know, I, I think the obvious reason is she's... Uh, She's sexy. She's uh, she's scary. I mean, when when she's written well in the comic, frightening. Yeah, she's, she's frightening, and she's um, my 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 issues with how she was portrayed in the the more recent movie are mostly that you know she, she turned out to be brainwashed or she was you know she was good all along or something. And I'm like, no, yeah. no Baroness is is meant to be bad. Like that's yeah, that's sort of the heart of who, who she really is. And you can you know go into why how people end up that way, but like. She's she's meant to be, you know, a highly moral, morally problematic individual. Um, fa- fascinating, perhaps, but 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 not not a good good person deep down. I thought she was, uh, you know, really interesting in the comic and um, absolutely and yeah. go- gorgeously uh, drawn at times. Yeah. <laughs> Usually, yeah, I, I, more, yeah, more often than not. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The, the the legendary Russ Heath, who we discussed on the previous uh, episode, uh, he was responsible for her look in the cartoon, and once again, I mean, she she, well, at least as far as her design was concerned, she was gorgeous. Uh, the animators sometimes mucked it up, mm. but yeah, no, the the original design sheets of the Baroness are incredible, and Russ introduced her in her 1984 outfit into the comic book too in that uh, mm. that famed issue 24 my goodness I mean yeah I've said it once I've said it a million times as far as the art's concerned that is my favorite issue of the comic book but I think that brings us squarely to what your favorite G.I. Joe or Cobra vehicle is or playset or I don't know base what uh, what is like the standout item that's really tricky. I, I don't have <laughs> one particular one that I that I just absolutely. Uh, okay, well let me make it, let me make it easier. Uh, favorite jet. That that's a little. I, I I think I'll ultimately go with the conquest. Nice. We're gonna get onto that. Oh, believe me. Favorite chopper. Uh, tomahawk. Favorite tank. The mauler. I would have accepted Rolling <laughs> Thunder. You, uh, I, I flamed you about it on Facebook, but you know what? It, it is an, uh, the ultimate assault vehicle when we when we actually think about it. It's artillery. It's ICPM. It's a battlefield headquarters. It's it can hold its own in a in a stand up fight. I'm sure. It, you know the, the the crew are also fairly vulnerable. It's it's not it, it's it's sort of well protected, but the crew aren't all that well protected. It, it's a very large target. I I, I you know, the Rolling Thunder is doesn't strike me as a uh, as an invulnerable vehicle so much as a, a very heavily armed, uh, a bit over the top one, <laughs> and an impressive thing to render in uh, in brick form. But uh, <laughs> we'll you. hopefully get onto that one as well. That that's something I want to chew on for a bit. Um, favorite aquatic craft? Probably the moray. Yes. Oh, yeah, so sexy. Can't, can't fault you there. <laughs> I also think when I think about um, favorite toys, I tend to, um, in my mind, distinguish between the ones that I owned as a kid and the ones that I didn't. I often noticed that the things that I always wanted and I never got were always just really exciting. Mm-hmm. And then um, I remember sometimes I'd have a sort of fascination with a toy, and when I finally got it, it was cool to get and then it just wasn't as exciting anymore i think i can relate i fantasized about the internal spaces of the bug 
Like I was like, ooh, everything must connect up and there must be some hidden command center on the inside. Mm-hmm. Imagine my disappointment when it was like, oh, there's seats in the front and seats on the side and seats in the back, but nothing really connects up. Okay, I wasn't really that disappointed. I was still a raving loony on, on Christmas yeah. morning when I got that bad boy. <laughs> but like, I used to sit pouring over the European catalog image thinking, uh-huh. oh man, this thing is just incredible. I wonder what it's like on the inside. <laughs> Ironically, there is like an interior to the, the bug. But it's quickly covered up, you know. You put two halves together and, like, all that detail on the inside is gone. Right. Yeah. Never yeah. had the bug. But the yeah. bug is one of those... Uh, is it on the list of uh, creations to create? Um, oh, I'd love to see that. I actually did build a microscale bug. What? I must have missed that. I didn't see that. If you go to my Flickr page... Yes. And um, you click on the albums tag, that'll show you, like, individual icons for each thing I build. So how, how big is the micro version? I mean, is it, is it sort of the size of a, a Hot Wheels car? Uh, let me see. If um, I, I want to say it's about 8 or 10 subs long. Okay. If, you, if, you, if you go to my Flickr page and go to the albums portion and you scroll all the way down, close to the bottom, just slightly uh, above the his tank, there's a, a picture of a, of a very small Rattler and if you click on that, there's a picture of my bug, I think. I'm currently locked onto the page that has your Cobra Wolf. And that's a personal favorite of oh, mine. Oh, right. That, that, I was about to pick up the wolf because that's one of my favorites too. It does prompt me to ask the question. I mean, it's got details that I want to discuss. But have you ever considered creating stickers to add the next layer of detail? Or do you like the kind of the purity? Because the, the wolf, it's, it's clean, it's white. But the thing about, you know, G.I. Joe vehicles generally mm. was, like, the, the finishing touch would always be the tiny little details that the, the stickers would then add. Ever considered doing something like that? I haven't considered making my own stickers. I have... What I did do is I did buy some stickers from... Is it Cobra Stickers? I'm trying to remember the name. Mm. Oh, Toy yeah. Hacks. It's uh, Toy Hacks now, yeah. that's. I, I bought a series of Cobra emblems and a, a series of of simple I think white stars on a green background or something and I thought I would experimentally apply them to a couple of my my vehicles to see if I like them how they look better and I never got around to doing it and I think I might at some point do that but I, I don't want to fiddle around with too many stickers but I, I've, I've definitely seen some Lego sets that other people have designed that where they know how to make good stickers and they can really <laughs> elevate a build tremendously there's no doubt about it I can hear Paul's gasp in the background. I think he's discovered yeah. your bug about the same time as I have. It's yeah. so cool. But you wow. know what I'm going to say, Magnus. You know what I'm going to say. I'm going to say, I love your colors, but have you ever flirted with neon yellow? <laughs> neon yellow. Well, um, the bugs, the bugs, uh, original livery. Yeah. It's just something so garish, but so perfect i mean yeah, that's probably that's probably the problem with these neon colors coming out right. when they came out because mm-hmm. they have galvanized the look of a vehicle take it or leave it the mm-hmm. bug just looks like the bug in those colors but let me just bookend by saying i love what you've done 
the oh. the maroon <laughs> ties it in with the moray. Thank you for noticing that. For those of you guys who don't have the image in front of you, yes, it is the bug in structure with the asymmetry of the bug. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. Perfectly represented, but uh, it's in a black, two shades of grey, and a deep maroon coloring. So yes, Magnus, you're about to combat me on <laughs> my my color correction. I, I I just don't get the, the bright colors. Uh, um, and and I I'm, I'm glad for everyone who who enjoyed them. Uh, I I was just su- such a pedantic child that even as a kid it it, it sort of was slightly annoying to me. And I, I would sort of uh, I I would tolerate the the bright colors. I would tolerate the the bright green on the guns of the the G.I. Joe Patriot, and I would, you know, imagine that they were... It never occurred to me to paint my my, my, my things and to, to try to recolor them, but... Oh, the Patriot is an eyesore. I've never connected with that vehicle. So you actually had it as a child. That would have annoyed me. <laughs> I, I did. I, I think I was... Um, I had a G.I. Joe collection that was he- heavy on uh, Cobra armor and, and heavy on G.I. Joe air power. Okay. So whenever I could find anything that could resemble G.I. Joe, uh, a G.I. Joe tank, I, I would get it. And, mm. you know, I picked up a Cobra Liquidator because it was the only Cobra jet I could find, even though it wasn't really one that I I thought really was quite up to snuff. But it was like, Cobra needs a jet and G.I. Joe needs a tank. So, you know, I'm going to get these things. And uh, By the way, you have single-handedly saved the Paralyzer tank, in my oh. eyes, in your mini paralyzer mm. it is beautiful once again uh taking the neon orange turning it into a, a deep crimson or maroon <laughs> and uh giving it a little bit of a canopy with a gun alongside yeah, it's the cool, paralyzer man. needs uh needs a bit of protection and it needs um for its crew and i think it needs more than one one crew crewman so the paralyzer is a is is, is on my list of things to, to build or, or re- redesign in, in minifig scale in a way that um, I might find a little bit more uh, realistic. Though I do appreciate this uh, this micro scale that you've developed because these are things that I could actually approximate <laughs> with my Lego at home. Uh, forgive me, I'm going to totally crib some of your your designs, but like oh, they're gorgeous. Go they are very very cool. So you don't have to be a Lego genius to to recreate some of this stuff, but they look absolutely spot on. I mean the economy of parts is what impresses me to express a G.I. Joe or Cobra vehicle with such a, you know, you can absolutely tell that that is a, a maggot, for instance. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with the maggot. I'm looking at that now. I think that's, uh, the maggot is one of, one of those vehicles I never had, but I always really loved the maggot, you know, they were always kind of badass in the comic and, uh, they remind me a little bit of a sort of German world war two era, artillery look i can see that along with the recolor point that i was making your adoption of cobra viper divisions but uh-huh. recoloring them all blue <laughs> oh that's yes a, that, that's something that you and i won't ever see eye to eye on but <laughs> that said it always is a thrill to see your realization of uh, a saw viper or a heat viper uh, mm. Done up in Cobra Blue, but like unmistakably, yes, that's his specialty. That's what he's evoking. Yeah. You've got some of the, you know, the the elements of that character, but then 
translated into blue. Have you done all the Viper divisions? Alley Viper, Night Viper? I have a lot of uh, Cobra troops that I just have never taken pictures of, like, individually. But I do have um, most of the, the classic Cobra weapon specialists in mm -hmm. the same colors as the regular Cobra Viper. And then I have environmental specialists in more camouflage colors. So I have, you know, snow serpents and desert scorpions and and uh i do have alley vipers in a a slightly different camouflage but they are meant to be a sort of urban camouflage mm -hmm. yeah i'd like to, to post pictures of those at some point too when i when i get around to it but if you look at the uh the big diorama of the big battle you'll see you, if you you look carefully you'll you'll spot a lot of familiar faces i think <laughs> awesome i think i'm gonna try and make myself my own mini bug to sit on my desk because that thing is too cool. <laughs> I actually you can do it I've in got... whatever colors you want. <laughs> yes, I, I I'll probably go with the more traditional uh, yellow and sort of green, or maybe more like I try and find. I've got a blue Lego piece, uh, blue Lego pieces that come from like an underwater explorer Lego set, where there were like the bad guys had like sh uh, sharks, submarines, etc. I think I can pull the yellow and the blue from a lot of that, at least the yellow anyway. But yeah, dude, wow. It's it's so uh, and Steve was right. He heard me sigh, um, not sigh, but gasp. I was like, <gasps> wow. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the the rabbit hole goes deeper and deeper. We thought we'd seen it all, but then there were these mini creations. Yeah, there's these things you click on. You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is something here that isn't GI Joe related, and I just want to quickly touch on it um, because. Yeah. It was kind of invisible to me until I saw a model kit for it recently. I see you've got, it's like the Ram, and I do apologize because uh, my German pronunciation is not very good, but it's like, uh, Gepanzerta, uh, Swaibind. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, wow. It's <laughs> do you want really to try that cool. one more time, Paul? <laughs> Did anyone catch that? Gepanzerta, uh, Swaibinder? Swaibinder? Yes. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, Paul is many things, but not a linguist. Not German. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, more on that later. Anyway, um, but there is a series of of mecha model kits that have been done in this World War II aesthetic. Mm. Uh, I swear the one thing's also called a Gepan or Japan something, and it's it's also like a a spider type tank. And I'm gonna find it quickly on my favorite uh, Japanese hobby store. German tank robot because I think it's it's specific Hobby Link Japan. Yes, but uh, they don't sponsor us, so it's not really me advertising them. <laughs> uh, and we yeah, haven't warned you posh, that we're going to be money. Yeah, exactly. No, no, it's not that. Apparently, apparently, you have to let people know when you're advertising at the, uh, to them at them. <laughs> That's also true, I suppose. But yeah, it's like a it's like a thing. You can't just like. You can't just like sit and drink like a Dr Pepper on one of your YouTube videos. You have to kind of say that you're endorsing it or not endorsing it. It's so weird. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, and then another thing, um, and this is just something as a Lego builder, uh, but not somebody that is. Uh, I hate to say this, Magnus, but somebody mm. that's not as creative with Lego as you are. But I suppose I I can accept this. <laughs> what is the catalyst? Uh, when it came to your creations. And what I mean by that is in drawing or in model kit building, something happens, like you make a mistake with something, you get like a bit of a happy accident, and then it just changes the whole way you, you build model kits or whatever from that day forth. Hmm. What was it like that 
that like moment of like serendipity for you as as a Lego builder where you you did something and you were like, wow, I can actually like convincingly make replicas of what I'm seeing in Lego form. Like, what is the secret there? Because I mean, I know I've tried on many occasions to try and make the Batmobile and all kinds of things, but I would fail miserably, at least as a child. I haven't tried again as an adult. So, so what is your what is your secret, or what is the secret that you can share when it comes to building these things? I I, I don't know. I I don't have a um. I, I'd have to think about that. I mean, I I can tell you some of the things that I perceive to be sort of typical of my building style, which which mm-hmm. applies to GI Joe and 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 other stuff too. Like I tend to build with a view to modularity and playability and functionality more so than than scale, perhaps. If if you think about how a Lego minifig is proportioned, it's very chunky. Mm-hmm. And as a result, if you want to build a Lego car with space for for four or even five minifigs sitting inside of it, like a regular car would be, mm-hmm. you'll end up with a car um, that is very wide and, and big compared to if you have a minifig standing on the outside of it. Correct, yeah. yeah. If you if you build a car that's going to look about the right size with a minifig standing outside, you'll, you'll be lucky to fit in even one or two minifigs. Mm-hmm. I've traditionally tended to build with a focus on fitting in details and playability. I want the wheels to roll. I want figs to be able to fit inside. I want to be able to do that sort of thing. And it ends up with vehicles that are that that, are, that often are quite big compared to the figs themselves. There was an exception to that recently when I built an American M113 for the Vietnam collaboration. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, if you take a that there's a picture of that in my groups collection fairly high up and if you take a look at that it has a bunch of figs sitting on the outside and it looks about close to correctly scaled to the figs but you couldn't fit you know 11 guys inside of that um right, yeah. many figs are pretty wide aren't they yes they got those Dim beefy, shoulders. beefy arms yep 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 um if you thought 25th anniversary duke had Bad uh, arm articulation. <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet. Yeah, no. <laughs> so I, 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 I'm sorry I didn't really uh, answer your question at all, but I was trying to come up with some general comment about like how my builds end up being the way they are compared to other Lego builds. I think you have answered a question that I was kind of brewing up, which was, you know, what is the biggest challenge of these translations? And I suppose it is scaling it to to minifigures, you know, trying to find ways of making it all fit without the vehicle's proportions then being thrown out because it's got to accommodate X number of guys. Something that you do quite handsomely with a number of vehicles, like the Moray and the Whale, which you actually unveiled for us on that fateful night. It seemed (laughs) like you had eked out more space in those mm. creations than the Hasbro uh, offerings ever did. For instance, like, your moray, underneath the cabin, there's mm-hmm. additional room down there. There's a hold. You have a hold in the rear <laughs> of the moray. It's like, what, what are you doing to my brain, man? <laughs> I don't know. I've never had an actual moray. Like, what mm. is um, on an actual moray toy? The only areas where there is a sort of a, a hold is mm-hmm. in the prow. You know, the front of the vessel has those two hatches. You can get mm-hmm. a guy in each, uh, beneath each of those hatches. I suppose you could stuff more guys under there, 
but it wouldn't be ergonomic or comfortable or intentional. Is there anything in the actual Moray toy that takes up space beneath the top gunner and sort of beneath and behind the, the two main pilots? Uh, it's quite tight. Yeah. It's like, I suppose an analogy would be like the cockpit to uh, the Millennium Falcon. You know, All if right. you do have two seats side by side in that cockpit, chances are you're not going to get anyone behind those two seats. Except mm-hmm. maybe the Legacy Collection Falcon, which uh, defies all that. But like in toy format, if you do have a pilot and co-pilots, like they get premium space and anything behind them is bonus. Uh, yeah, I, you can't effectively stand a figure up back there. And if you could, it would be very awkward to try and play with a figure behind the the driver and gunner in the moray. So by by then expanding downwards into the hull, you've effectively opened up a new area that, as I say, the original toy never had, never possessed. Bravo you. But you did similar things on the whale. In fact, do you want to tell the story, Magnus, or shall I? I mean, with with the whale, I um, I, I, I made up a lot of space, but that was by moving the, the two twin gun turrets, the, the twin 50 cows. I'm moving them out to the side and replacing them with remote-mounted weapons, which takes up a lot less space. But I wanted to make more space in in the compartment that has the the troops that is in front. I wanted that to be space for more than than just four four guys, and I was able to uh, basically get rid of the the regular gun positions um, and and relocate them to the sides of the cockpit. And then that gave me space for at least eight men in the um, troop compartment. Eight men, or eight eggs, <laughs> or I can. Uh, I, I can remove the the sort of top to that, and this is better understood if you take a look at pictures. And I can actually fit in a small vehicle right there, like a, an armadillo or an ore striker or something like that. Perfect. You know, in parallel to a GI Joe customizer, I think both of you thought, yes, the whale's cavity is perfect for the armadillo. Just need to mm-hmm. figure out a way of hollowing hollowing down into it. I am referring, of course, to our good buddy old Jim Godfrey from the UK. Mm. He, uh, he did a similar thing to a whale and, uh, and produced a whale that could accept a armadillo into the front. So go, both of you. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Other improvements. Wow, okay. Um, let me try and do a few from memory. I can think of two immediately. To the whale itself, or in general? No, in general. Well, I could stay on the whale, but uh, I, I do want to spread the net a little bit wider, try and paint oh, yeah. a bigger, a, a better picture to anyone just purely listening to the audio of the kind of insight that you've had into the shortcomings of our beloved G.I. Joe vehicle designs. To wit, the first thing that comes to mind, you made something of the mud fighter which uh. far and away surpasses <laughs> that thing's modest beginnings and it makes perfect <laughs> sense to me because you've just confessed that you were just like Paul and myself a kind of a latter day G.I. Joe fan we, we kind of found we latched onto it in the 88, 89 maybe mm. a bit of the 90 stuff so a vehicle like the mud fighter probably did capture your imagination on the the catalogs maybe you owned the toy 
but your Lego reinterpretation of it is incredible. I mean, you call it the Mud Fighter 2, because it is... Yes. It's different enough that I, I, I want to indicate that this is sort of a new new version. Oh. More substantial, still having the pusher engine. Uh, but take us through the details. I mean, like, what, what, what additions did you make? Well, I never owned a Mud Fighter. I, I forget if I had an opportunity to buy one, but I, I just never liked it. I thought it was <laughs> it's really... No, no offense to, to anyone who... You know, to whoever designed it, and no offense to anyone who had, you know, a mud fighter in it, it was the best thing ever. But um, <laughs> I always just thought the mud fighter looked t- terrible in every way for reasons that are, to me, obvious. But I mean, um, it was an unattractive, unrealistic looking, and, and fairly small aircraft. I just built my take on the Cobra Rattler, and I didn't really have any G.I. Joe planes aside from a Skyhawk, which I also modded a lot. But I wanted to. I, 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 every now and then, I get the, the itch to like build one of those vehicles I never liked. Prove to myself that there's a great vehicle in here somewhere. And so I, um, I had to go with the Mud Fighter. Um, I gave it a sort of twin tail boom uh, style uh, tail, which it never really had. I gave it retractable landing gear. I retained the pusher prop, but was able to turn it into like a contra rotating double prop. Oh um, yes. Infinitely better than what looks like a ship's screw. Like, what yeah, kind like of propeller sub-rated. is that? <laughs> and um, I even gave it a um, an internal bomb bay, so it carries. Uh, it still carries sixteen bombs, but eight of them are carried internally. Mm. Bomb bay. I initially wanted to motorize the the, the tail rotor, but I realized that fitting in a, a motor and battery pack would have taken too much space and it would have ended up way too big so instead i i gave it a bombay and um and i gave it a proper cockpit and i'm really happy how it turned out you know it's a standalone vehicle in 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 gi joe lore at least in the a real mm-hmm. american hero series of toys by being a prop driven you know low and slow mm-hmm. style of bomber so mm. everyone goes for the high flyers like Sky Strikers, like Night Ravens, to show some love to something so unique and so niche. Yeah, man, props for that. <laughs> I make a pun because it's got the prop. Because <laughs> it's got a prop. Oh, you're so funny. Oh, great. Oh, gee whiz. I'm here all night. Um, The Conquest. There are impressive design elements that have gone into it. For instance, getting the landing gear to be so smooth when, when retracted, mm. like... That just, yeah, my jaw was on the floor. But the thing that strikes me initially is you opted to do it in all white. And it was the first time I'd ever thought about this. It's like, yes, in the comic book, in the cartoon, the Conquest is depicted as a white jet. Mm. The toy itself was this battleship grey, which is at odds with the Sky Striker. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's more in line with almost uh, the later jet, like the Phantom X-19. So yeah, like that was that was an inspired choice. I presume white bricks are easier to come by. I, I don't know. I don't know. How do you Not source so your bricks? <laughs> Not dark, so much. Dark, dark bluish gray. Uh, what am I saying? Uh, the, dark, the current dark gray offering mm-hmm. is a, a very common color. Okay. So the fact that I build most of my Cobra land vehicles in dark bluish gray is no accident because it's a a color i have a lot of access to but the conquest was uh, a toy i did own and uh in the comic it um 
It often sort of took a second seat maybe to the the Sky Striker, but I, I always like the Conquest. It, the Sky Striker seems to me to be a, a dedicated air-to-air interceptor. And while Giorgio and Cobra have always had sea craft and, and aircraft, the heart of, of it to me is, is a sort of a, a soldier's story. So to me, it's it's more important that the, the G.I. Joe team has a mud fighter that can give effective ground support and something that it looks like is a lightweight multi-role fighter that could... I'm imagining the Conquest could would be better at air support than, than something like the X-19 or the uh, the Sky Striker. And it was a smaller, more manageable thing to build. Hmm. And uh, doing it in all white also gives it a sort of star-like look that is somewhat reminiscent of the the classic white star and the G.I. Joe logo, and it just seemed to be like, I wanted to add some some, some color to my to my G.I. Joe collection. The Cobra faction sort of have uniform colors, but my, my I want my G.I. Joe faction to be a, a splash of lots of different colors. I've never really thought about it like that. When viewed from above, it does have a, a five-pointed star. Well, it's, it's more than five points, but like you could kind of blur out the canard wings and the the, the, the lower tail fins or, or blur out the top tail fins <laughs> either two will do mm. and yes it is a star brilliant brilliant in white and i got a comment on facebook from the guy is it guy cassidy is he the guy who am i mixing up my people here is he the one who designed this uh, i'm not actually sure the, wouldn't the it guy be who, da- david kunitz i don't believe it was david kunitz but okay. the, the guy the guy who designed this um, saw, saw my, my rendering of this, and uh, he got a kick out of that. And, and it was that was you know a, a highlight of my uh, GI Joe building. That you know the guy who who designed the original was like, wow, this is this is great. Yeah, oh, that's ways, cool, man. Very cool. I think I said this to you when we were having dinner in uh, Washington, but I would like to open it up for the listeners as well. Uh, you mentioned that you know with the mud fighter earlier, it's it's something that you don't have a particular fondness for, but uh, instead you instead of like sort of putting it to the side, you felt the need to improve on it. I have a similar thing with Gundam kits. There okay. are certain yeah, there are certain kits in the Gundam line that I don't like at all. I, it's like I look at them and I go, well, if only I did this and that to it, I could really make it a much better and more appealing kit for myself. I have since. I've stopped trying to do that because the big problem with that is is that it gets expensive because then your Gundam shopping goes from, oh, wow, I really love those three designs to, oh, wow, I really love those three de- uh, those those three designs, but, hey, why not pick up those fix-me-uppers as well? And then you end up, you know, buying more than you should. And uh, we really should be, you know, a little bit more responsible than that. But um, I do totally get that. And I, and I, and, and soon when you're talking about it, I was like, I totally relate, you know, because there's been a few kits where, I've sort of gotten them and gone, oh, wow, if if only I could just hack this piece out and replace it with this and give it this kind of gun and just change the color away from this horrible, like, choice of blue that they've done for it, I could actually turn it into something I really like, mm-hmm. you know? And then, and, and then sometimes what happens is, with it being a model kit, as I do that, and I'm like, turns out my idea was crap. Oh, well. <laughs> and it's an expensive mistake oh, to make. Ever the modest creator. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a cool feeling. It's, uh, I, I totally relate to that. Just also something uh, uh, that you that you mentioned earlier as well, with, with you guys not sharing your plans or not making your plans available 
in this sort of spirit of challenging the imagination of uh, future creators. I dig that, but I've also noticed that there's quite a lot of bootleg Lego. It's actually starting to appear on our shelves as well, or rather it has been for the last few years, mm-hmm. um, and it is very war-based. And I often wonder, and especially looking at some of these pictures from Brickfair, mm-hmm. I wonder if some of those designs haven't been maybe like nicked and then turned into some of the knockoff kits. Um, is that something that you guys as a as a as a Lego building community are quite aware of or, or afraid of, or does this actually happen? Does it not happen? Am I just crazy? There's a growing awareness or a growing suspicion that that, that, that does happen. I think that's a complex problem that I, I, I don't want to get into too much detail about because I don't know as much as I should. But um, All right, okay. There are several facets to that, and, and Lego does not choose to, to make, you know, uh, War Lego, or yeah, of course, uh, yeah, that's that's their thing, that's their of, policy, yeah. Certain kinds of uh, Lego sets that clearly have a, a large market among um, boys, especially. Um, yeah. And you know, you can choose to be upset about that, or you can shrug, or I don't know that there's a whole lot, you know, to to do about that. The 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 fact that I don't share my instructions simply is isn't really about not wanting other people to be able to recreate this quickly. It's more that just I don't I don't make instructions as I go along. Right, yeah. And, I mean, very, who does? Very yeah. few Lego builders I know do that. I think if you build um you, you there are there are computer programs where you can build digitally mm. and one of the benefits doing that is I think it's much easier to generate instructions. But yeah, I've never attracts, built that. it tracks what you're doing, yeah. Yeah. Um and my understanding is that generating instructions for a Lego kit once it is built takes a tremendous amount of time and mm. uh, you could choose to do that if you wanted to especially if you were starting off with the knowledge that this is what I'm going to do but um, I, I, I've never really tried to make instructions alright okay um, no, I get. I mean I get that I get that it's an effort actually I mean you'd essentially have to build something then take it apart you know like systematically take it apart so in essence build, make the instructions backwards Mm-hmm. Then reassemble it according to your instructions to make sure it works, and then reassemble it a few more times, just to make sure that you miss nothing and that it's kind of clear enough for you to be able to sell it for money. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I totally get that. I mean, a buddy of mine bought uh, instructions from a Lego builder on Macross World. I think that's the name of their website. And uh, this guy had done these really well created, well thought up uh, Valkyries. Uh, those are the uh, for the Robotech fans. Those are known as Veritech fighters. Mm-hmm. I hate saying that word, but that's just because I'm a macro snob. But anyway, they made instruction manuals for that. And he bought one, and I I happened to have a look at it, and I was like, wow, that's insane. You know, it's one thing to be able to build it. It's another thing to actually source the parts. Wow, what a, what a challenge. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I do get where you guys are coming from. Although I'm holding out that Hasbro somehow sees this and uh, tries to sort of look at ways of acquiring what you've done because you what you have done is better than anything that they've done for their range, uh, their Creo range. Creo. Smack yeah. talk. Oh. No, it's, it's, that's, it's not. That's flattering. Brick wars, begin. I'll also say that what I build is designed for me and I have a certain budget when it comes to Lego parts. And if yeah. you want to sell, I mean, le- the Lego company deals with this too. If you want to sell a kit, you need to keep it to a certain price point, which means yeah. that it's going to be a, uh, if, 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 
if Hasbro or Lego wanted to build a, a GI Joe line, I, I know Hasbro sort of did did already, but if they need to make it affordable, uh, you know, they can make a hundred dollar Terradome kit, but they don't want to make a five hundred dollar Terradome kit because that is okay. Uh, yeah, you know, so if I if someone told me, you know, build you know a version of a GI Joe vehicle but keep it to X number of parts, then mine would also be a little more streamlined and and uh, it would be a new building process for me and and it would be uh you know that would be a different thing that would put you in line with someone like g1er who does put together gi joe kits for purchase what is his deal is is that officially sanctioned by lego i i don't imagine that it is so is he using generic sort of lego-esque blocks I, I think you just go to the Lego G- store. <laughs> I, I believe that G1A uses Lego elements and s- supplements them occasionally with non-Lego elements from perhaps right. other brick companies. And he, I, I can only imagine, is relying on being able to have access to, because he can't produce new parts or new colors, but he needs to be able to be able to buy enough bricks in the right colors to be able to to come up with, I don't know how many kits he makes. Is is, is it 50 or, or 150 of each one? Mm. So his designs are also going to be governed by the fact that he needs to be able to, to, to have access to, you know, if, if he needs 10 bricks of a certain kind to mm. put into a certain model and he's making 50 kits, he needs to be able to get 500 of those bricks somewhere online, I assume, at a, a reasonable price for him so that he can sell this thing later at a price that people are willing to pay true Um, true true and that will always govern building decisions and that's why i would never on any public forum say that your designs were superior to his it just wouldn't be fair (laughs) it wouldn't wouldn't be fair but but it's true (laughs) while what he and i do looks very similar i I think our goals are, are a little are a little different Mm. And I, I appreciate that when I, I look at his work. He, he also, as far as I can tell, is trying very hard to to get the look of the originals as close as possible, whereas I like to be able to modify things. Mm. So that when he releases a, um, a MOBAT, for example, I don't remember exactly, but I'm guessing his MOBAT has space for one guy sitting in, in that little cupola turret with his head sticking out, and he isn't going to try to design it so that there's space for him to duck down and there are two extra drivers in front, which is if I ever built a MOBAT, I would either make it much bigger so there was space for a, a full crew inside, or I would, you know, I, I just wouldn't build it. Or, or maybe I would make it smaller and say, you know, this is um, the 21st century, this is G.I. Joe's first uh, remote-controlled crewless tank, and that way it makes sense that it's so small. Mm. Ah, would you consider motorizing that then? Um, that would be a, that would be a, an option. Yeah. Um, although I've <laughs> tried motorizing tanks in the past, and uh, if I wanted to motorize a Mobat, and and you know, it wouldn't be a small tank. It would it would have to be of a certain size. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would all be governed by the motorizing feature. Get some Technic Lego up in your regular Lego. <laughs> exactly. But, and you need to fit it in a battery box. And it, I mean, I've done, I've done it before. There's a lot of technicality there. And I apologize once again if it seems like I'm blowing smoke up your butt here, but um, <laughs> up your butt, yeah. Not off your butt. That's a whole different thing. But 
I think even if some of your designs were minimized or stripped down to a certain price model, I still think your aesthetic um, is stronger. The the foundation of your design is stronger than what a lot of Creo had offered, primarily because I feel a lot of Creo's designs were designed by very good designers, but they didn't quite have the emotional connection to the franchise or to the property that you have, and therefore didn't quite push themselves in that dire- in the same direction as you did. I think once they got to, and I, I understand this because I mean I work in the in an, in a creative industry, and I understand that sometimes as much as we want to do the absolute most awesomest bestest thing ever, we've got like seven of them to do. So you know we do the best that we can at that time, and the art directors do the best that they can to help us push it to to the level that we need it to be or that they feel it needs to be. But um, yeah, just there is an aesthetic to your stuff. I mean, I got to say the Creo Terradrome is a favorite. I think it's so cool. Oh, um, so do I. I, I. I love it. I think it's great, and I think what you've done on yours is great. And I think they serve two different sort of markets. Um, I think the world is very uh, is better off for having a, a, a Creo Terradrome. I think it's something we definitely need. I don't know if we deserve it, but we definitely need it. And. Uh, <laughs> But uh, I can't stand their Ghost Striker, even though it's a fairly good approximation of an F-16. I don't like it. And if I compare it to the the jets that you've done, well, it's it's just it's a different species <laughs> entirely. So, but yeah, man. Uh, sorry, well, but that, that I, was thank just thank you for the compliment. I uh, thank you very pleasure. much. It's well, it's well deserved. Trust me. I look at your stuff as a Lego builder, and I just I feel inspired to pull a whole bunch of Lego out and just build. <laughs> Like I said to you in Washington, it's the same feeling. It's just, uh, sadly, I wasn't close to my Lego when I was in the States. So, yeah. Cool. Steve, you wanted to talk about the big one. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Hold me down. <laughs> it is with enormous surprise that you told me this evening that uh, you've never seen G.I. Joe the movie the 1987 animated feature. Because when I was flicking through your images of the Terradrome and saw your technical crew, Mm. which I presume are used to uh, do firebat maintenance, perhaps, all I could think of, and this is going to make no sense to you whatsoever, but all I could think of was a Pythona minifigure vaulting from the top (laughs) of this Terradrome uh, structure onto those guys and plastering them with organic gags, <laughs> creatures to slap onto their faces and uh, suffocate them. I mean, like, there is a sequence where this creature crawls out of the swamp and invades the Cobra Terradrome. And ah. I honestly thought that those technicians were an homage to that. Turns out, nope. You just created technicians to populate your pterodrome. And boy, do you need population for that pterodrome because it's mind-blowing. There are enlisted quarters, officers' quarters, a boardroom, the silo in the center with a fire bat, which you can then wheel out of the silo within the pterodrome structure to work on it. And do my eyes deceive me? I mean, okay, I can answer my own question, but like... It has a motorized element, does it not? Yes. One one of the uh, the things that is most obvious from the outside that I've added is a radar dish. Mm-hmm. And radar dish spins, 
Um, and also the fire bat, which in the original toy, I think you pull a, a lever and it comes up. I've motorized that feature. So it, 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 it the, the doors open on top, and they're, they're different doors from on the original Terrodrome, but they do open up, and then the fire bat rises up. Oh, I'm glad you mentioned the radar dish, because that's another bit of inspired design work. Like, that doesn't have a precedent in G.I. Joe designs, like the, the, the configuration of this, and using mm. gray hinged pieces and transparent pieces, if memory serves. Yes. It yes. is a gorgeous, like, appearance for a, a radar tower. I mean, it's like, do you, do you find, uh, I suppose, online re- references, images that, uh, that grab you, and you're like, mm, I'm going to realize that. When I set out to build the Terradrome, I didn't know that I wanted a, a spinning radar dish, but I did know that I wanted a, a motorized feature for the Firebat. And mm-hmm. once I included that, I already had a battery pack in there, and I had a bunch of space, and I was able to add a, a, an extra motorized feature very easily. Mm-hmm. I could actually probably add more motorization if I wanted to. I just wasn't sure what to motorize. I thought of the Terradrome as... Uh, you know, and I don't really know how it is represented in in the cartoon or in the movie, but in the comic, it is kind of a air defense base, and also it's used for a lot of things. But one of its its, it's key military feature seems to be defense against aircraft, and I, I I figured that these these turrets on the side look a lot like the kind of turret you would see on one of these self-propelled uh, anti-aircraft tanks. And I wanted to give it a an actual radar that would, you know, like on a control tower of a of an airport. Magnus, you got to do it, buddy. You have got to do it. To hell with Cobra Law. <laughs> to hell with uh, Tunnel Rat's characterization. Even if there is nothing else you glean from GI Joe the movie, mm-hmm. it's got to be the appearance of the primary Cobra Terradrome. Oh. the movie really paints that as a primary location and and it yeah. is an expanded pterodrome effectively if you were to to have the actual toy it would be to scale with your minifigures perhaps even no perhaps even smaller i mean half the size of a minifigure what are those like micro figures that sort of scale down from the minifigures yeah, yeah. That would be the size of the pterodrome relative to those guys. So, I mean, if 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 my my calculate my I don't know my internal calculations are correct, you've made this. It, it is that scale. Your creation is the scale of like the Cobra pterodrome on Cobra Island in GI Joe the movie. It's oh wow, oh, okay. oh, oh, oh. and the internal spaces are there. Like there there are like there's a mess hall that the G.I. Joe characters sort of wreck and they fight it out with vipers and you've created a mess hall. I mean, it's just like, dude, you're drawing inspiration from yourself. Meanwhile, it was paralleling the scenes that play out in G.I. Joe the movie, which is probably the high point of that film outside of the, the, the intro sequence. Oh, the, the attack at Terradrome. Yes, the assault on the Terradrome. I'm going to say no more. <laughs> Just I'll have to check see it this. out, man. You gotta. Oh, you gotta torture chamber. And and <laughs> grab your Marauders figures and no, sorry, your Renegades figures. I assume you've uh-huh. created many figures of. I know you've created the Sarge, but have you created Red Dog, Taurus, and uh, Mercer? I have 
Mercer and Taurus, but not Red Dog. But he okay. would be easy to make. Sure, get on it, yep. buddy. <laughs> yeah, Red Dog's cool. Yep, and make sure you don't arm them. <laughs> yeah, no, no. That will that will make itself very uh, very clear in your watching of the film. Oh man, I wish I could join you. I'd uh, oh. I'd bring the popcorn. I'd love to watch it again for the first time. I think it would be a fantastic experience. It, that really? intro always gives me goosebumps. Yeah, I dig it. As an adult, well, you and I watched it for the first time as very young children. And yeah, we did. And that's probably why yeah. we have such a reverence for it. I'd be interested... Well, Magnus, if you do wind up doing it, please shoot me a message and let me know how I'll, it went. I'll let you know for sure, absolutely. Uh, something that's kind of cool... Uh, well. I think it's kind of cool. Uh, also, having been a long-time Lego fan, for our listeners, when you guys take a look at the actual pterodrome in the album, and you go through a lot of the snapshots and whatnot, uh, there's some great interior shots uh, listing the interior detail that uh, Magnus has put in here, like the, the little loo and uh, showers. But but for long-time fans of Lego, uh, he's got a torture chamber, or should I say an interrogation room. Laboratory. Um, Oh, there we go. It's a laboratory. With a okay, skull? Well, that... yeah, well, well, this is Dr. Mindbender's laboratory. I mean, he, uh, he has... The his... laboratory, inverted commas. He's all that sort of horror artifacts. He has a, uh, a brainwave scanner, of course, mm. which I recall in, in the comics there was a brainwave scanner and mm. in the mm. terrorgram, and it may have been someone other than Dr. Mindbender who was... I, I don't remember who was operating it, uh, but Dr. I wanted to but you've got computer terminals in that room and you've got computer terminals in other portions that are super old i mean some of these are from 19 i'm sure the one piece is a 1980s piece oh space um, lego yeah yeah classic space it's so cool to see that uh, i love how- with the original geo joe stuff more or less yeah oh, and great timing. that is such a good little nod and wow this stuff is just rich um also that little interrogation scene reminds me of something steven and i recently shot footage of but uh that will come soon listeners so you know hold (laughs) on to your horses uh when i and by soon i say well just keep your eyes open for it (laughs) Um, but what is coming a lot sooner is firstly Road to Jokon Part 3, yeah, Exfiltration, which should be on our YouTube account by the time you're listening to this podcast. So if you haven't Definitely. checked that out, please do. In addition to that, if you need a visual aid to go with this podcast, look no further than a very impromptu but very cool video that we shot uh, when we sat down at a pizzeria with Magnus and he started producing a bite size <laughs> rendition of his his uh vehicles yeah he brought a sort of a oh a, a pocket patrol pack well <laughs> a little bit a little bit more than that uh an entire backpack's worth of creations some pretty substantial ones i mean we spoke about the moray we spoke about the whale but uh he's got a bang on desert fox a cobra claw which is spectacular has all the features of the the hasbro toy Tons of minifigures. I think you brought your Ore Striker, your Armadillo. I think I uh, did. Your Polar Battle Bear with a very, very, very accurate uh, iceberg figure riding it. 
Yeah, man, some great stuff, and it's all there. It's all featured. Uh, you know, seeing seeing pictures is one thing. Seeing a little bit of a motion picture, you know, getting the different angles on the toy, maybe seeing some of the features in real time. Might seeing it in give, our hands. Yeah, yeah give g- well. give everyone listening to this a further appreciation of like this man's work. It is really spectacular. So check it out, the GI Joe Berg YouTube channel. Woohoo! Quick fire topic, ha ha. Steve, uh, uh, oh dear, just, oh dear, I'm not prepared. <laughs> Paul, what are you doing to me, man? Oh, I'm, uh, done this I'm quick. That's uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, I'm sure you've. I mean, you have already prepared for this. I'm sure uh, because it's obvious. I think about GI Joe every second of every day, buddy. I'm always prepared. <laughs> All day long, I dream about Joe Duke. <laughs> Duke. Oh, oh, oh. You know who and his uh, creepy <laughs> grin. Yeah. <laughs> Mowed down another village. <laughs> so, uh, what are your favorite, uh, three favorite uh, Magnus Lego creations? Hmm. Seeing as you've recently done Macbeth, I figured I'd keep the threes going. Ah, uh, man, it differs from <laughs> from uh, photo viewing to photo viewing. Off the top of my head, just based on pictures and based on my vehicle preferences, it'd be hard not to nominate his tomahawk. Uh, It'd be hard not to nominate his Rolling Thunder because it's done things to the Rolling Thunder that, like, we all wanted. I mean, it takes its influence from the Aliens APC, yeah. but it's not, it's not an APC. You made it that. You gave it that, you know, you, you made it exchangeable with the, uh, you know, you could have it as an ICBM vehicle. Or take the missiles out and create a computer section. Is it interchangeable, or is it? Can they both be in play at the same time? Well, well, my Rolling Thunder does not currently have an ICBM feature in it. Ah, there we go. Good, good. So it is an assault vehicle. I, I always thought the ICBMs were a little over the top. I mm. do have a couple of different versions of it, including one that is a command center with a bunch of computers inside. And another that is the one that looks a lot like the regular one. But I could also build one that has big big missiles on the back. That's part of the beauty of, of modularity. Well, it does what, as I say, what a lot of us kind of made the logical leap for ourselves. But, of course, the Hasbro vehicle can't do that. Reimagining it in Lego, you can. You can create more space for people in the back there, you know. And you can com- completely <laughs> shielded from enemy fire, you know, making it a battlefield command vehicle which is heavily armed, mm-hmm. you know, can hold its own, but it is essentially like a nerve center, mobile mobile command center, but a lot more squat, flat profile. Uh, yeah, a lot more aggressive looking than the the Jawa Sandcrawler. <laughs> <laughs> um but it's it's difficult to answer this topic because it does just kind of like flip-flop all the time. Welcome to my world. Of the things that you showcased <laughs> to us, Magnus, I was super impressed with your moray. It came mm-hmm. out super, yeah. super sleek. And I'm always going to applaud adherence to the original's colors, which you did with aplomb. Like, don't get me wrong, love your version of the warthog. But, mm-hmm. you know, in my mind, a warthog is a very kind of olive green with yeah. the teeth. Right. Uh, which the challenges for translating that into Lego are obvious. I mean, you're going to need a sticker, otherwise you're not going to get the teeth, uh, right? That, let me respond to the teeth thing in a 
in a second, but um, sure, sure. Th- thank you for th- thank you for the the note on the moray. Uh, the the moray is one of the ones I built where I really try to keep it as close as possible to the original without. I mean, I, I did add a little crew compartment underneath the turret, but I which I love, which I love. I, I wanted to keep it aesthetically as as uh, very close to the original instead of like changing the color or, or changing the weapons or or, or or something like that. I'm sorry, I'm such a purist, Magnus. I, no, 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 that's great. I keep needing to apologize for the fact that I mean, it's, I'm not marking you down on it, man. I think your designs are inspired. I just know what I like. I like to see. Oh, yeah. G.I. Joe represented as as G.I. Joe in everything. Um, though I I will say your Mamba is exquisite. My God. Oh, thank you. The, the Mamba I, um, <laughs> I I added some some extra features to the. Um, if you look at the I, there's this, I, I built something called the Cobra Anaconda, which is mm. unfamiliar name, but it's basically my take on the Cobra transport chopper that shows up. That in was. All- Comic, we're all familiar with yeah no it needed to be done and um they didn't have enough purple bricks for me to build it in purple but i i mm. think it looks pretty decent in black for the longest time i thought this was just one of those things i saw in the in the comic that didn't exist as a toy in europe because they didn't sell it in europe and it took me years to realize that they never sell sold this thing anywhere so um i had a go at this and um it's a motorized helicopter with a modular thing I can carry around, and I was able to actually add teeth also. If you take a look at that, ah, genius! So I will, I will give it another glance. Teeth, teeth, good. So I mean, does that circle back to your your point about the warthog? I could have given it teeth. Like I mean, I could go back and redo it and and add teeth. It, it didn't seem to me to be super important for the warthog to have teeth, but I never had an original warthog. I, I thought the most important thing with the warthog was to. Uh, to make it longer, quite frankly, I, I realize that my warthog looks a lot less like the actual toy than than some of these others do, and it, it, it's. Um... Well, I do approve of the fact that you lost the gigantic orange torpedo <laughs> missiles. <laughs> I've never been able to to warm to to that that sort of raising of the profile. I like it flat top, smoothed off. Though you did give yours, what was that? A sort of a countermeasures uh, unit. Some kind of yeah, I wanted to give it, you know, uh, some some something to replace the missiles rather than just remove them entirely. How does that technology work? I think I've seen it uh, through the corner of my eye um, in some sort of documentary about tanks. But is it actually able to intercept and and throw off That's incoming missiles? I think it. Okay. I I think it's a radar or some kind of sensor that indicates projectiles coming towards the vehicle and it is able to react by sending out a sort of some projectile of its own um, that intercepts and, and makes the thing explode before it hits the, the vehicle. And it's, oh, um, wow. it's it's especially useful for, for lighter armored vehicles, but it's it's problematic for any infantry that happen to be close by. So it's a, it's a technology I think they're still very much figuring out. <laughs> Force fields, guys, it's real. <laughs> Speaking about tanks, <laughs> I mean, we have to, we have to, right? Like we we set up a poll in our last episode, a poll that you actually uh, participated in, Magnus. Uh, mm-hmm. We wanted to determine which of the following three tanks would uh, would be able to win in a sort of, I suppose, a death match three-way. Mm-hmm. 
uh, conflict. The tanks under scrutiny were the Mauler, the Hiss, Hiss 1, basically, uh, and the Slaughter's Equalizer, Slaughter's Marauder's Equalizer. We put it out to Twitter and Facebook. Twitter attracted 51 votes, and Facebook attracted 51 votes. Oh, wow. I mean, how is that for symmetry? I'd like to think it's not the same people voting on both platforms. But the results were quite telling. Anybody want to venture a guess? Nobody likes the equalizer. Oh, poorly. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, you would you better. would have had better you would have had better luck if you were rooting for the Mopats, as it turns out. Uh, a lot Apparently, of people, yeah. Yep, a lot of people. I saw that for... part, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't go knocking a classic, especially when Steeler and Breaker and Clutch. Or the three criminals helming the damn thing. Yeah, I love the equalizer. I just don't think it's optimized for blowing up other tanks. Yeah, I saw that, and you made a good point there. So, the results, gentlemen. (laughs) The equalizer did come out on the bottom, uh, in spite of it effectively being the mauler, but with a different uh, weapons configuration. On Facebook, it attracted 12% of the votes. On Twitter, it attracted 4% of the votes. the runner up in both social media networks uh, was the Hiss Tank uh, attracting 41% of the votes on Twitter and Kuja's gonna love this 33% (laughs) on Facebook oh my word Oh, he's got a big smile on his face listening to this right now I know that he does that number just can't escape him uh, something about pyramids and the Illuminati or whatever <laughs> he's not around to defend himself <laughs> he's actually at a convention as we speak and he will be interviewing some folks about Joe related stuff and he will be dropping a file card episode of this podcast shortly with his finds uh, but to round out our tanks competition, the Mauler swept the boards, both on Facebook and Twitter, with the same percentage of the votes in both spheres, and that's 55%. That be a Lies! Lies! Well, it's the only true tank, man. Okay? You should have picked the Patriot Grizzly, or the Brawler. Clearly, you know. <laughs> it's just sold out, not gone with, like, the thing that I love. Well, yes, no, love speaks for a lot, or 4% of the votes, depending. (laughs) (laughs) All you need is love. (laughs) And a tank, apparently. So thanks for that, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) If anybody's wondering, my favorite Magnus Lauglo Lego creations, haha, because throughout the topic. Mm-hmm. Dude, this is, I think this is you piecing this together with the edit. <laughs> uh, no, no, I'll, put, I'll cap us off with that. That's a great idea. Cool, man. I love this tomahawk so much. I, I, I just dig it. I like. It's cool. One of the coolest Lego vehicles you'll ever have, if not the coolest. And it's one of the coolest GI Joe vehicles in Lego form. And it's got a few very much, uh, very much needed upgrades: the Moray and the Mamba. That mumber is sexy. 
so unbelievably sexy. I love it. And I love it in black. It's like the black mamba. This is like the South African version. It's awesome. Nice. I love this. So, so, so cool. And uh, I love your shots. You know, you got the, the rotors whirling and, oh, it's great. It's great. It's going to be like choosing your favorite child. But, Magnus, do you do you want to play favorites? Oh, go on. Be a devil. Well, first of all, thank you for all your, your picks. Most of my big helicopters are motorized. So the, the Mamba, the Tomahawk, and the, uh, the Anaconda do have motorized rotors. And that is a thing I'm especially happy with. Badass. If I had to pick my own favorites, I've been working on this Terradrome for um, over half a year. And uh, it's the largest non-modular thing I've ever built in LEGO, and I'm, I'm really proud of it. So I've got, I've got to include the Terradrome um, mm. as one of my, my own favorites. 50,000 brick count. In <laughs> whatever, it, whatever it is. <laughs> it, it, um, it certainly should have wormed its way into your heart. <laughs> oh, I, I'm also going to vote for the Tomahawk. It was one of my favorite vehicles. I never had one, and so I built one, and, and I'm really happy how it turned out. And um, I think I'm going to go with, you know, I'm, I'm going to impulsively go with my His Tank, my, my, the first one I ever built. When, when I think that I built this thing over seven years ago, and, and I do think I have evolved as a builder, I still think that this, this holds up. If, if, if I hadn't gotten around to building a His Tank until now and I built this thing now, I think I, I still would have felt pretty happy with myself. And okay. uh, it's a classic, iconic one. And yeah, I, I, I like my Hestank. I mean, I've become very, very fond of that one over the years. That's a very good I design. I like the yeah. too. To you. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's what sort of started me off on this, this newest journey of mine. Okay. Yeah, it's, 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 it's the genesis of it. It's, it's your first. And, you know, <laughs> there's always something about your first love. <laughs> Little did I know when I did this seven years, seven and a half years ago, that I would be here. You know, with a terror drum and, and dozens of vehicles and, and, and on a G.I. Joe podcast with you all. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, presumably, yeah. G.I. Joe building has eclipsed absolutely every other Lego building pursuit. I mean, is it all about the G.I. Joe now, Magnus? Um, it, it has been largely. I mean, I, I keep telling myself I want to do other stuff. I want to get back into Castle Lego. I want to do other things. I, uh, you know, I have a long list of things I want to build. Uh, no. But uh, uh, stay. I stay did. I us. did. You know, I did the uh, <laughs> the the, uh, the Vietnam collaboration that I, I worked on included an M113 and also um, totally has nothing to do with GI Joe. Well, mm, yeah, it's not militaristic <laughs> or anything. It, it it was good to branch out a little bit, but I, I have a lot more GI Joe stuff to build. I don't think I'll build everything that I don't think I'll represent every last GI Joe vehicle, but there, there's a lot I want to build before I I get sick of this. You stole my thunder a bit when you revealed your <laughs> mini vehicles. Uh, something that I always am interested to see mm-hmm. is designers, brick builders, challenging themselves by shrinking things down, by working in a smaller scale. But something that, that harmonizes both the standard minifig scale and working on a kind of a, a more microscopic design level is something like the snake armor. Mm-hmm. Have you ever considered something like that? Um, I thought about it lately. I I never had snake armor. It didn't. I don't remember it from the comics, so it's not something that I have a sort of emotional attachment to. It's something that's very seldomly seen in GI Joe media. And and mm. I know you're a fan of the snake armor. But I want to then expand out of that right. and say a personal challenge that I wouldn't mind setting for you. Okay. See if you can chew on it. 
is if you were to be able to create powered armor mm. for minifigures or, or adapt minifigures to look more bulky, more armored, like a snake, mm-hmm. would you consider doing, and I know this is a dirty word for some collectors, <laughs> but Star Brigade? Mm. Star Brigade? Wow. Yeah. I never thought of Star Brigade before. It's a challenge, man. How would you be able to create bulkier decos for the standard minifigure? I could. It never, th- it never thought of that before. I mean, sort I of a ro- robotic it. body that you imagine, could then just I pop, imagine that pop eventually I'd build an Astro Viper or two. But um, okay, Star Brigade is. Um, I, I had one. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the guys with the armor. I know, you, yeah, I, I had, you, I, had with those? I think I had one of those. Um, okay. Not, not my favorite part of the GI Joe universe, but um, oh, that's a, that's original. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, I, I certainly, I certainly could. Creating an articulated kind of almost robot, but then slapping a minifigure head on it, Ooh. and then a minifigure helmet on that. Like, it, I'd, I'd be interested to see what you could do with that concept. Based on what I'm, what I've wanted to build, I think. I'd be more likely to build a Cobra Stiletto first, but um, okay. I, I, I don't. <laughs> think, I, I don't think you'll see a, a minifig scale GI Joe Defiant uh, or anything. <laughs> but um, you know, Buddy, you built the Terradrome. I, I built the Terradrome. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll leave the flag for someone else. But um, okay, Star Brigade. Let me think about that. Absolutely, and 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 the Snake Armor also. Yes. Mm. Yeah, I, I'd be very keen to see how you do the snake armor, and that's only because Lego did this like Space Marine. Okay, it's like they've done like this one set, and it's got uh, armor pieces for the Lego minifigures that is very Space Marine esque, like a la like Starcraft and Warhammer kind of vibe. Like I think you know which ones I'm talking about, Magnus. And then in the in the blind bag uh, minifigure sort of uh, collections. They've done one of those as well, and uh, like he's like blue, and then they did like a zombie one as well, um, and they are fantastic. But what's cool about them is their their actual armor has uh, connection points, and I, I I don't I've tried to play around and see if I could get some kind of powered armor thing going on there mm-hmm. as well, but I can't wrap my head around it, and maybe that's just because I don't have access to a lot of parts, and maybe I'm just a little bit out of touch with uh, how Lego sort of evolved of a time or some things but yeah like i i think mine i would start there but maybe that's the rookie mistake maybe you know the the pros like yourself will will see an angle that we haven't yet because yeah man lego a snake armor that fits a minifigure would be super cool you know let me think about that i i, I think um i'm looking at the snake armor right now and uh i, I it has occurred to me to to go in a mecha direction with 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 some things um, yeah. So who knows? I, I think at some point I'll also want to build more vehicles for the GI Joe universe that are more entirely my designs and, and and not necessarily based on existing vehicles. But the the snake armor is is not terribly big, so it could be a manageable project. Yeah, let me think about that. Yeah. Also, I see um, on your pictures for breakfast. I think it's mm-hmm. breakfast that I'm looking at. Um, mean, yeah, a big fair. Sorry, I keep saying that. <laughs> oh, sorry, I, I planted the seed, bro. You planted the <laughs> seed. I did it. And my tired, mildly hungover brain just uh, fell for that. Um, but anyway, <laughs> uh, you know, how do people react to to the GI Joe Lego? Like, 
do you run into into any GI Joe fans? Like, do you find any like diehard GI Joe fans that end up at Brick Fair as well? What what is the reception like for for the brand and for for GI Joe in general? Most of the people who recognize GI Joe are, are, are people, you know, guys in in their mid thirties and older, and often that's um, there, there are some Lego builders, but there are also a lot of like parents of of children who to show, who show up. We we have a couple of days where we just display for our, ourselves and have have building classes and things like that. And then over the weekend we open it up to the general public, and that's mm-hmm. when we get in, you know, a bunch of people who show up with their kids. And uh, uh, you know, a lot of the, the the dads there, you know, close to my age, will will really appreciate recognizing this stuff. The people who don't recognize GI Joe may be impressed by the, the the sort of ridiculous scale of this whole thing. But I think yeah. uh, if you didn't grow up on GI Joe, then you're not going to have the same uh, attachment to this stuff. Uh, and and there, it'll be one of many uh, large, overwhelming things you see at the Lego convention. Um, All right. Okay. You guys are essentially approaching the brand from a completely different angle. I mean, it's, it's not like Hasbro hasn't tried it before twice. I think Hasbro has tried it twice. Uh, with using a sort of brick system for for GI Joe, and it hasn't been successful for them. But uh, I just wanted to just see if there somehow just with your creations and whatever, if there was some kind of like reaction to it um, that was sort of like you know people that were sort of GI Joe agnostic, like maybe they'd heard about it before or knew that it exists, but you know hadn't really experienced it or weren't really interested in that much, and then to see it in Lego format, maybe that. That inspired them, you know, and and changed them, and that that's what I was just curious to see if that if, if you know seeing your stuff had that effect. Because I got to say, if if your stuff isn't making people do that, then there's something wrong with people. <laughs> because damn. Wow, you know. thank you. I I don't think I got any comments from people who who were saying, you know, I kind of know about GI Joe, but I never thought it was cool, and now I'm seeing your stuff and it and and it is cool. But I think people are generally impressed by by what I do, especially when they see the the, the big landscape. And then um, the the people who remember GI Joe uh, will be especially uh, tickled. Yeah, and then, <laughs> yeah. and surprised. But you know, they they came to a Lego convention and there's this big table full of GI Joe stuff, and that's that's really awesome. You know, quite rewarding, I suppose. It's something that, you know, it's not like you hung a big GI Joe banner over your display. But anyone who is a G.I. Joe enthusiast and stepped a little bit closer, took a little closer look, like, hmm, that's not an A-10 Warthog. That is, that's a Cobra Rattler. That's a <laughs> Conquest. Oh, my goodness. This is G.I. Joe. Yeah, I, I definitely get a bit of that. Awesome. Yeah. awesome. Oh, that's cool. Paul, you reminded me, dude. Like, you yeah. had my, me scratching my head. I was like, okay, so he said G.I. Joe had two building toys one is creo what was the other one? Oh, built to rule yeah and i presume magnus you've never had any flirtation with the built to rule concept remind me the difference between the built to rule and the creo built to rule happened in the early 2000s and it featured gi joe figures of the new sculpt era which are o-ring style mm-hmm. figures but like Big shoulders, big hands, small heads. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, they had little, uh, they had studs on their, their the cuffs of their gloves, mm. and then I think on their their thighs, or where was it on their boots? Anyways, they, they could interact with 
basically with with brick system toys, and they had vehicles that you would click together akin right. to a Lego Lego kids. I mean, they were quite simplistic. It was like four wheels, attach them to the base, attach the windshield, attach the door, attach the gun, put the figure in, and that sort of thing. Mm. But yeah, no, I guess it just sailed quite plainly over your head, and that's okay because like, yeah, no, it's. Uh, Really, really basic stuff. I'm looking at these things now. I, I, I vaguely remember seeing them. I, I wonder if these might have been a little more interesting if they had been representations of, of known G.I. Joe vehicles rather mm. than new ones. I think that was but, possibly um, their the biggest failings. But then it would have been preempting what you do, and we can't have that, man. <laughs> yeah. I hope Bobby Valor sees your stuff. Bobby knows. Oh, I'll does he you know? Bobby knows. Oh, because man. he Come would. On. If he doesn't know, he's he's gonna he's gonna explode. I'm pretty sure he'd probably get hold of you and see about you getting a commission or something done for him. Uh, because, wow, yeah, he's got quite an extensive G.I. Joe collection that uh, you may have seen if you... Uh, I've seen him posted on, on Instagram or parts of it, and it's just, mm. wow, it's incredible. The guy really has such a passion for the brand. So <laughs> To the point where he actually had articulation points tattooed onto his um, skin. He's, he's too cool. Yeah. Yep, yep. But you know who else is too cool? Magnus mm. the Lego Maniac. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> he's Lego wild out of control. He's a Lego Maniac. Guys, I think my, my feet are pointing towards the door. It's time to love and leave uh, our dear, dear friends and listeners oh, out there great. on episode 126. Magnus, yeah. dude, thank you for joining us. Thank you for approaching us and meeting up with us in Washington. The stars yeah, aligned, and we were shown firsthand exactly how cool your creations are. It's inspiring stuff. It's a facet of like GI Joe subculture which we need more of. I mean, it's yeah. Just keep doing what you're doing, man. Fantastic. Thank you. Uh, oh, and 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 Magnus, I must apologize. You know, I would have been like a lot more chatty uh, when we had met in person and a little bit more like sort of alive but by the time we had met I was so dead I mean oh you the, were on this road trip and you that, that, yeah that's fine yeah because you'll, you'll see a picture on our video on our documentary and we like you've got all your Lego like dropped on the table <laughs> Steve looks like it's Christmas it looks like Christmas morning on Steve's face I look like I'm at an economics lecture, and I tell you, that's just what my face looks like, because that's not what my heart was looking like when I saw your stuff. I was actually like, this stuff is so amazing. My brain is bleeding out of my ear hole. Yeah, I'm like, I want to be excited, but I'm scared I'm going to pass out, because I'm like, I'm keeping my last little bits of energy reserves. Mm Mm-hmm. I was hard on you boys. I was quite a taskmaster, but... You were. As you will see... Ladies and gentlemen, if you if you catch our Road to Jokon little documentaries on YouTube, we did a lot. Part 3, out now. And while you're at it, check out our surprise encounter with Magnus at a pizzeria in Washington. <laughs> <laughs> Where we met a South African, which was random. Carry on. <laughs> and if that gave you a taste and you want more, check out his Flickr account, Magnus-L. And that's all I have to say about that. Well, she wrote. Thanks for joining us. This is great. Thank you so much. Yeah. Awesome. Goodbye, everyone. (laughs) Rock the Casper.